0: Shalom and blessings. This is Pastor Clifton McDowell Sr. here at the Church of God of East New York located in the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast and I pray this week's sermon blesses and encourages you for the journey. God bless. Now enjoy the sermon. Our church since 2013 We've, been, we've recognized and we've been challenged and inspired by the word. We've been told in, that we have been chosen by the Lord for such a time as this. We've challenged you to, you know, to shape up, to suit up, to show up, and to step up for active service. And over these last four years, we have learned and embraced that is disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we have been purposely designed, equipped, positioned, and empowered to serve the purposes of God in our families. Amen. Serve the purposes of God in our congregation, our communities, in our city as citizens of the kingdom of God. Purposely designed, equipped, positioned, and empowered. Church of God of East New York, always remember that it is the vision for this house, this house, his glory, the vision for this house, it is the vision that informs what the goals are for serving. And we need to always remember that the vision, amen, must inform our our activities. The goals are not to make a name for ourselves. The goals are not to gain fame or fortune. That's not the goal. The goals are not to show off. The goals are for this house, that we would lift up Christ, and raise up generations of disciples who make disciples. To lift up Christ and to raise up generations of disciple-making disciples. And so as we prepare for another year of active ministry in the service of the Lord in 2022, I want to add another component or dimension that I believe, will help us to understand our calling as part of this household of faith. At least during this month, we'll focus on what our 2022 theme will be as we launch into ministry. Today's message will serve to briefly introduce that ministry theme, even as we prepare to come to the Lord's table for our first communion. I want you to turn with me to the scripture that our Lady Deborah read this morning in the book of 1 Peter. Father, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, let it be acceptable in your sight. For you are my Lord, you are my strength. Touch ears to hear, touch hearts to receive. We say, Amen. To your will and to your way, in Jesus name. First Peter, the book of First Peter, something about Peter. We all know Peter. Peter is the one who wrote this letter to the church. It's written by the apostle Peter, who was called from his fishing business. Fishing for fish, he was called by the Lord to fish for people. Peter, he's the one who was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Peter, who was part of Jesus' inner circle along with James and John. This is Peter, who was in the garden, who cut off the ear of one of the, the temple soldiers He was in the garden when they came and they took our Lord captive, Peter, the same Peter who denied even knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. This is Peter who came down from the upper room on the day of Pentecost and boldly proclaimed the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and thousands came to be converted and to say yes to the Lord. This is Peter, the writer of this letter who tradition says wrote this letter from Rome and died in the city of Rome. Peter who tradition says was crucified about three to four years later after writing this letter. This is Peter, who requested when he was going to be crucified, who requested that he not be crucified like his Lord and Savior, but be crucified upside down. It's Peter who writes this letter And he writes this letter to the churches that have been scattered throughout Asia Minor. It's a persecuted church that he writes to. It's a scattered church. They've been scattered because of tremendous persecution for their faith. And he writes to encourage the church. Encourage the church with hope. He writes to prepare the church. He writes to challenge the church that they would be the church even in those difficult days. It's a time when this letter is written which things are about to go from bad to worse because of what the church will experience in this this world that is Roman controlled. It's about to get even worse than it is as the Emperor Nero will come to power. It's increasingly becoming unpopular to be named a Christian, a follower of the way, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Sounds familiar. I would encourage you, I would encourage you as we go through this consecration Take time to read these. It's just eight chapters in First and Second Peter. But for our purposes today, we're going to focus on 1 Peter chapter 4. Really in verse 10 through 11, but I want to read again, amen, from verse 7. This will serve as our foundation scripture this month, and our foundation scripture for this year's theme. Peter says to the scattered church. To the persecuted church. Throughout Asia Minor. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert. And of sober mind. Why? So that you may be, be able to pray. Above all he says. Above all love each other deeply. Deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Then he tells us, each of you, every one of you, every believer, every disciple of Christ should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And there it is. Say it with me. Amen. Peter writes to them to remind them what God has called them to so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Not only have we been purposely designed, equipped, positioned, empowered to serve. We've been, and here it is, you need to write it down, you need to grab hold to this as we go into 2022. Not only have, has God done all of that for us, for the kingdom of God, for his purposes, but we've been purposely commanded to serve. We've been purposely commanded to serve. And I listen, I know there is something about hearing the word command that may get some of your hair on the back, those of you that have it, on the back of your neck standing up. There is just something about our history, something about our experiences in this country, especially. We don't like anyone to tell us what to do. You know, I'm telling the truth. Our history is—it's—we it, it, we were started in rebellion. So it may be about the American Revolution. It may have something to do for some of us with slavery. I know it has to do with sin in all of us. But we don't like anyone to tell us what to do. Don't order us. Don't command us. Something inside of us turns. Something inside of us says, I'm I'm grown, don't tell me what to do. But Paul, throughout his writings, Jesus, throughout his teachings, and Peter and all the apostles, under the authority of of God, They lay out in scripture what the Lord commands. And I submit that it is not requested. The Lord's commands are not suggestions, they are commands. We are commanded to use our spiritual gifts. And that's the gift that Peter is talking about. In fact, this is the only time outside of the writings of Paul that we are told about spiritual gifts. We're commanded to use the spiritual gifts that have been given to us by the Holy Spirit by virtue of being born again and we're to use them to serve each other. So that in all things pertaining to the body of Christ, God is glorified through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians twelve seven states that spiritual gifts, tells us that spiritual gifts are given to each of God's people by the Holy Spirit. And look at this, they're given for the common good. They're not given to make you look good. They're not given for you to show off. They're not given to you for you to to make somebody feel like you are more spiritual, more godly, more anointed than anybody else. No, they are given for the common good. And then in verse 11, it tells us a man that these are the work of the one and same Spirit. He is the one who distributes them to each one just as he determines It's not up to you. It's not up to me. It's up to the sovereign will of God. And then Ephesians 4 tells us, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then in that same chapter, verse 16, it tells us from him who, from the Lord, the whole body joined And held together by every supporting ligament, it grows, it grows, it grows. And it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Spiritual gifts are given to prepare God's people for works of service and for building up the body of Christ. Whatever gift God gives, you and I need to recognize, he gives the gift for service. He doesn't give the gift, amen, for it to to be put up on a shelf or, or for it to be covered up with a blanket. No, he gives what he gives for it to serve. The term spiritual gifts front comes from the Greek words charismata, gifts, and new armatika spirits. The use of the word gift by Peter, as I told you, it is the only occurrence outside of the writings of Paul. A spiritual gift, not a natural talent. Natural talent you're born with. Spiritual gift, you are spiritually born and you're given at your spiritual birth. It's a special, supernatural bestowing of, of a special capacity to serve the body of Christ or to reach those outside of Christ. It is special. It is supernatural. It's a supernatural endowment by the Holy Spirit to do the assigned work of God. Generally speaking, spiritual gifts are God-given graces, special abilities, offices, or manifestations that are meant for works of service. Are you, are you getting this? Works of service to benefit and build up the body of Christ as a whole. These gifts, they include empowerment of leaders, empowerment for the leaders that the Lord has set in place, has established in the body of Christ. He gave some apostles, some prophets some evangelists some pastors teachers and the primary purpose for these leaders for these offices is for the equipping of the saints why for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ if the body of Christ is not being built up it's not to be the blame cannot be put at the feet of Jesus The blame must be either the church is not being equipped or the equipped are not being obedient. Every true Christian, every true Christian, if you have been born again of the Spirit, you have, amen, a spiritual gift to fulfill the function, your function, your assigned function within the body of Christ each member, each member of the body. I did not say each member of a church or a congregation because truth be told, everybody going to church ain't in the body of Christ. And that's good. Everybody that say they are Christian, they're not, they're not necessarily in the body of Christ. In America, we've got all kinds of carnal um, um, Christians. But then we've got those folks who carry the name Christians, but everything belies it. It was Christians who condoned slavery. It was Christians who went to church on a Sunday and beat black folks on Monday something wrong with that picture everybody that's going to church ain't going to heaven but every bona fide genuine spirit birthed believer birthed into the body of christ has at least one spiritual gift and peter calls us to be good stewards Of all that we have received of God now the truth is this our talents come from God and our gifts come from God but our gifts they differ we don't all have the same giftings they differ according to the grace and sovereign will of God nobody has a monopoly on the gifts no church no denomination no ethnic group has a monopoly on the gifts of the Spirit. and No one possesses all of them. Because spiritual gifts, but hear this, because spiritual gifts can be counterfeited. They can be fake. By the enemy. Come on, you know I'm telling the truth. Amen. We, we'll be around the church so long. We know just how to hold up our hands. We, we, we know just how to um, speak in tongues. I shouldn't have got a Honda. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have, shouldn't have got a Honda. We know how to do it. We can preach like we, we, we have it. We are good communicators. They can be faked. They can be counterfeited. And so we are called, we are taught in the word of God that we are to test the spirits to see if they are of God. And spiritual gifts we receive from the Lord must be used correctly and administered according to biblical principles. And the Holy Spirit is he is aligned with the Word of God. So it's, it's not about, I, I, I have no control. No, the, the spirit of the prophet is subject. You can sit your happy little self down and align yourself with what God's Word says. We can dishonor the Lord and discredit our testimony. If the gifts we have been given, and notice I said given, not earned, if the gifts are used and administered selfishly, incorrectly, or inappropriately. We're called to be faithful stewards, not as owners, but as managers. It is possible to have something without possessing it. To have something without possessing it. To understand, I have it. It's been given to me, but it belongs to God. A steward is one who has been entrusted to manage the property of another. Every good thing we have, every good thing we have is ours only because of God's grace. And it is intended to be used for his purposes. Spiritual gifts are given to us as gifts of grace. Unearned, unmerited favor. To fail to use God's gifts is to fail to use them to serve one another is to fail to be a good and faithful steward. 1 Corinthians tells us in 12 that we have freely received these special endowments. Amen. We received them when? At our salvation. At our birth. And so you understand that spiritual gifts are not a barometer or an indication of spiritual maturity. That's the fruit of the Spirit. We did not work for it. We did not earn it. God gives us the gifts of the Spirit. Everything we have, God graced them to us. Therefore, there's no ground for bragging. There's no place for feeling superior to anyone. Amen. What do you have? What do you have that you can brag about? What do you have that was not given to you? We receive our gifts by grace. We don't get spiritual gifts because we have done some super sacrifice. We don't get them by working for it, by hustling, having a side hustle for it. We don't even get them by living a perfect, clean life. Or by agonizing in the closet of prayer. They are gifts of grace. And since we did nothing to acquire the spiritual gift, we should minister it in grace. Spiritual gifts, they enable the body of Christ to function as a whole. Amen. Jesus only has one body. He doesn't have a black body and a white body and an Asian body and a Hispanic body. He only has one body. And he... he, expects us to embrace that and to function like that and to think like that. To agree with him, to say amen to that, to agree with him, to move with him, to end with him and never doubt him. Jesus prayed for it. But the reality is we are still a segregated church. We may think segregation has ended and we don't want to use those words, but the reality is, the truth is, we are still a segregated body in this world. And to my white brothers and sisters, too often you are discipled to maintain things just the way they are. Heard somebody say that it's it's not a diversity problem, it's a discipleship problem. Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. It grows and builds itself up in love. How? As each part does its work. Paul is telling us something. The body is built, it's built up when all the various parts, each member contributes to the whole. And it's best done in a climate, in a culture of love. The Bible says they will know we are, Christ, we are his disciples by the love we have for one another. The song says they will know that we are his, his we have, they will know we are Christians by our love. Love that is demonstrated, not just spoken. One of my, I guess call it a bucket list. One of my bucket list items is, um, I want to go down to California, to that area, a man where um, those, those giant trees still grow. And you know, I've never seen them with my eyes. Physically, I've read about them. I've seen them on television. I've seen them in books. I've seen them on the internet. But they are the largest and oldest living organisms on the planet. The giant redwood trees, and sequoia trees. I'm told that some of these trees are over 2,300 years old, and there's one that's over 3,000 years old. Can you imagine if trees could talk? Over 240 feet tall, one of them over 200, 379 feet tall. They got one called General Sharon, General um, Sharon, I think it's General Sharon, over 3, 275 feet, 6 to 12 feet wide. It's massive. Their stability and growth comes out of their root system. They're intertwined. Their their roots go down maybe 6 to 12 feet deep. What keeps these trees so tall and to live so long, it's what's going on underground. They're interconnected. You can't mess with one without messing with the whole grove. When a fierce wind blows, they hold each other up. Their connectedness allows them to borrow strength and stability from one another as they continue to grow strong. But we live in a day where we have more, we feel and communicate, we have more in common with our ethnicity than we have with the body of Christ. Paul says, we are one body in Christ. God's Church of God of East New York, God saved you and equipped you for the work of ministry, for the work of service. Why? To build up the body. Somebody asked me, in heaven, would they know me? I I told them, I I certainly believed that they would. I told them that you will know, even know people. Well, first of all, I told them, I said, "I, I believe that you will. As we look at Revelations um, I, I, I told him, I, I will still be black because it's from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every kindred. You will still have your, uh, your ethnicity, but it won't separate us. You'll know me. But I also told him, you will know people you never met. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when Elijah was there, they had never met him, but they knew him. (laughs) You're gonna know people that you never met. This is a rehearsal, this is a, a, a dress rehearsal. And we need to get it right. We need to be the people of God. We need to build up one another. We need, to, we need to be interconnected with one another. Some people attend church only for their own benefits. If you are a follower of Christ and part of a local congregation, a physical representation of the body of Christ, Going to church for your own benefit is not what being a church member looks like. There are people who live in, in a, perpetual, a perpetual dating relationship with the church with no real commitment, no interconnectedness. They live loose and goosey ready to leave at any point for their own comfort. To understand the church, and we'll get more into this as the month goes in, we need to understand the body, your own body. It's a living organism composed of many parts and systems all working in harmony to contribute to the health and function of the whole. Paul says the church is Christ's body. And so a local congregation will only grow, will only mature, as all of its parts operate in harmony and unity. If you have a lone, listen to me, if you have a lone ranger mentality or personality, You will never reach your potential and you deprive the body of what God has placed you there for. The body will suffer for your lack of participation, for your lack of commitment to the common good. Your relationship to the corporate body is crucial to your own spiritual development and the development of the church. You will grow... If you are in Christ, you will grow by serving and being who Christ designed you to be. We are called to serve each other based on our spiritual gifts that we have received. Years ago, and bringing this to a close for today, but years ago, from 1930s to the 1970s, before I even owned a car, the first car I ever drove didn't belong to me. It belonged to my brother-in-law, Charis, Reverend Charis Ebram. He taught me how to drive. So if, if you don't like the way I drive, blame him. Only kidding? But from 1930 to 1970, amen, um, in, in our nation, in New York, in your city, they had what they called full-service gas stations. What were they? Well, in addition to providing gas pumping services, actually had somebody that would come and pump your gas in every gas station, most of them. The attendant at a full service gas station, he would also or she would wash the customer's windows, check the tire pressures, even check your, your car's fluids, oil and water. Today, Today, what goes or passes for a full-service gas station is really no more than someone else pulling, um, pour, pouring water or putting gas in your car and at a higher price. Man, when I see those, those stations and it says um, full-service, I see the price, I say I'll do it myself. Full-service gas stations have been replaced by pay at the pump machines, or by paying with cash by a cashier to a cashier who resides behind a glass partition, who takes payment in advance. And it often requires returning to the, to the booth for change. So, whether you pay by credit card or by cash, the experience ends the same way you pump your own gas. It's called self service. Unfortunately, many folks across this nation attend church in person or now virtually like a self-service station. They fill up on the preaching, fill up on the singing, they fill up on the, the graphics, and they go home. Or they tune off. Until they need more fuel. They see the price and they say, I'll do it myself for myself. They come to church for themselves. It's self service. But God intends and intended His church to be full service for, by each member providing for the well-being of others and building up the body of Christ as ministering servants. And so as we go into 2022, I ask you, how are you using your spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ? How are you serving each other? How are you serving the common good of this house? or the house that God has assigned you to. Even in a pandemic, even during the persecution that Peter writes in the midst of, they're going through all this persecution. They are being hunted. We're in a pandemic. I submit that God still has an expectation that we will use our gifts to serve that we will find ways that we will look for ways that we would be innovative find ways to build up through serving one another to lift up christ and to raise generations of disciple making disciples to neglect your spiritual gift is an indication of a lack of appreciation for the grace of God. The reality is, sad to say, that there are very few Christians today who identify and embrace their gifts and use them for God's glory, for the benefit of the body of Christ in their local congregation. Somebody said, never have so many owed so much to so few who answer the call to serve. In 2022, I challenge you to resolve in your heart, mind, and actions to identify and use your spiritual gifts to serve others in obedience to the Lord's will and his ways. Why? <clears throat> because you've been purposely commanded to serve. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you. Thank you, dear God, for this reminder that you have called us for such a time as this. That there is an expectation that you have upon the children of God. That you have gifted every one of us for the common good. And that we are to use what we have been given. We are to use what you've placed in our hands to serve one another and to build up the body of Christ. Father, forgive us for being inconsistent, shallow, indifferent, while others have been fervent, active, and involved. I pray, oh God, that you would strengthen the hands of those that you have called among us and that you would add hands to the work that is before us in 2022. I pray, dear God, that you would touch somebody's heart that has been on the fringes Touch somebody's eyes that are blind to your blessings and blind to the goodness of God. He said, if we confess our sins, you are faithful, you are just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Help us to see that there is a place to serve. That if we would make ourselves available, if we would not allow ourselves to be discouraged from the work that you've called us to. That much could be done. Help us to see, dear God, that great harm has been done, continues to be done, to the witness and testimony of your one body. By our failure, dear God, to be so interconnected, that we draw strength from one another. Thank you for your word. We are your servants. Command us. Order our steps. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us this week, and if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and tag us in your social stories at C-O-G-E-N-Y. Thank you to those who have given generously to this ministry in the past. And if you'd like to become a contributor, head over to cog-eny.com. That's cog-eny.com. And just click on the offering and donations tab. Again, thank you so much. Now God bless.